Chris Block, Artist Amity, proudly presented by John Ham's John Ham, the celebrity <laughs> celebrity endorsed lunch meat you can eat in the bathroom. That's John Ham's John oh, Ham. As I trip over it, not bad, <laughs> huh? I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter. Ringo Award-winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant, Banjax, and now Suicide Jockeys. The other voice in the dark, the man in the box to the left is... David Avalone, filmmaker, comic book writer, coffee achiever. Nice. If you missed uh, any of our uh, previous conversations, episodes featuring luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Alex DeCampi, John Lehman, and many more, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube's iTunes, uh, Spotify, and other purveyors of worthwhile ear cracks. So double on back and check it out. Um, great show for you today. Uh, but why don't we do a few plugs first? Avalone, go ahead. Sure. Right now, I have a Kickstarter on involving a certain mistress of the dark. Yeah. It's uh, Elvira, the Wrath of Khan, C-O-N. It's a direct sequel to last year's Elvira, the Omega Man, which was my pandemic pandemic comedy, which you know is hilarious. Um, Wrath of Khan is, uh, takes place at San Diego Pop Culturama and has bears no legal resemblance to San Diego Comic-Con. And uh, coming August 4th will be Elvira meets Vincent Price which is uh, pretty much exactly what it sounds like. If you like Elvira and you like Vincent Price, you will enjoy that comic book. Ryland, what have you got coming up? Um, I have uh, Suicide Talkies, <laughs> my, my latest and greatest. I'm sitting here trying to do math in my head, wondering if I believe that this episode will premiere after uh, the FOC passes for issue one. Uh, it's probably about three days ago. Uh, however, you can uh, you can still get down and order it. Of course, it may just uh, you know come a little bit late, but uh, you'll be just on uh, just in time for the FOCs on issues two, three, four, five, six, all that stuff. Um, it is a uh, a tokusatsu comic. Uh, tokusatsu for the uninitiated is the Japanese sci-fi genre that includes things like Ultraman and uh, and and Power Rangers and Voltron and um, uh, kaiju fare like uh, Godzilla, and uh, our comic in a nutshell is kind of Fast and the Furious meets Voltron with the uh, extra dollop of uh, heart, soul, and vigor, and all that noise. Uh, best time I've ever had writing a comic. It's bonkers, it's wonderful. Um, you should go check it out, Suicide Jockeys. But um, enough about us, right? Let's bring on some, uh, some guests. And our guests today are Liana Kangas. And howdy, howdy. Hello, kids. So, Liana, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Liana Kangas. I am a comic artist and writer, Twitch streamer, uh, podcaster now, um, and I've done really cool stuff. Uh, Star Wars is coming out this week. Uh, Star Wars Adventures with um, Sam Mags, Brittany Peer, and... Um, really lovely editors and i'm also the artist of she said destroy uh true cult and the writer of the tko short seeds of eden with uh paula zaceta and uh my co-writer joe carlo very nice very nice and leisha tell us a little bit about yourself hi i'm leisha uh i'm uh currently in the gaming industry but i have worked on smooth criminals for boom and I uh, do variant covers. Uh, my most recent one is A Man Among You for uh, Top Cow. Very nice. Very nice. How long have you been in the gaming industry? And what exactly do you do over there for those of us who do not understand that industry very well at all? 
Uh, I work in mobile games and I'm an artist while well, I'm a lead artist, which means mm -hmm. I herd cats. Um, <laughs> I make sure that everyone is following vaguely the same direction and sure. um, uh, make beautiful art for video games. Beautiful. That's fantastic. Well, the, 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 the thing I always want artists to talk about on this show, I feel like we've done this topic before, but it's always useful too. I think it's useful particularly for our, our viewers and listeners to hear is what do you think writers, and it doesn't even have to be comic book writers. It's certainly, you know, the game industry and animation, both <laughs> employ writers. Uh, what do you think writers need to know about artists, how to communicate with them, what they lack, what information they're lacking, et cetera? What are we doing wrong? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Can I go first? You can yeah. absolutely go first. I was going to make a joke like, uh, we don't need writers, but we do, obviously. Um, especially for someone like me, I was kind of joking with David, before, you know, prior to this being like, I write and draw. So, like, it's great because I have both sides of the argument. Um, and obviously, I don't want to start a writer versus artist discourse on this or on Twitter or anything. But I think the most successful way that a writer and artist can collaborate together it's just having an open discussion at the beginning about what is expected from either party. And I know that sounds very oblivious and basic, but it goes such a long way to be like, how do you want your scripts to look? How do you, you know, like, what do you like drawing? What do you not like drawing? Uh, what do you, you know, no crowd scenes or um, <laughs> me particularly, no horses. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I like, I end up becoming friends. So with you a lot share of that with like every great Renaissance painter. So that's yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I also don't a hundred percent love crowd scenes, but uh, I do. I don't think like anybody them as a challenge, uh, <laughs> as long as it's like one per three issues or something like that. Um, and I think it's really cool when I've particularly worked with a lot of writers recently who do flatting and who do lettering or try to do lettering. And I think that's such a fun way to balance the scales of like the amount of input that you do in a series, um, especially because I know that the writer is typically the one that's going on all the shows and things like that. But I think it would be cool if you can manage to bring both of the creators on and Absolutely. also try to do things to help each other out, you know, so. And I... I will say, like, I've worked with Leisha. Leisha's, like, done layouts and stuff with me. Like, she's one of my favorite artists, and it's really cool to see, like, even as an artist, you can collaborate with other artists to make the job sure. easier, to make the entire creative venture, like, even better than what it can be, so. Yeah. The, the one thing I want to say before I uh, ask Leisha the same question, I have found that depending on what company you're working for, Editors can either smooth the way between the writer and the artist talking to one another or can be a gatekeeper between those things. The best editors I've worked with have been a part of the conversations, but have said, David, here's, you know, yes. Dave Acosta, you guys work out what you guys are going to do in this comic book together. And I've worked on projects where literally I never had the artist's email address. And never could just, especially with license work, that's so wild. Yeah, that I, it's just there's a lot to talk about. There's always yeah. a lot to talk about, and you know, I'm I like to see everything. I like to see sketches and layouts and 
because the the earliest I can say that's not what I had in mind or that's better than what I had in mind, lean heavily in that direction, the better. The one last thing, minute thing is the worst. Sorry. Um, uh, one thing I've realized is like, as an artist, I don't want to be giving too much like to annoy the writer if they're like busy and have multiple series that they're writing and stuff like that. So I like that when there's kind of an open line of communication, like when I was working with Heather recently on Star Wars, it was really cool. Like she looped in the colorist and we were all like chatting, you know, had an open line of dialogue between all three of us, which was awesome. Um, and even when I'm friends with writers, I'm like, am I sending them too many screenshots of like my work in progress stuff? Cause I don't want to be annoying, but also like, I want, you know, the writer to be excited about sure. what's getting done because I know it takes a lot longer. So. No, and, well, it's, and it, honestly, it, 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 yeah, go ahead. I was just to say it's 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 where this magic happens. You know what I'm saying? I I, I mean I feel like there there are editors out there who are I don't know they're uh, um you know they're I don't know they were there's going to be this go around that happens. You know what I'm saying? They're they're uh, threatened by it. You know this this communication, but there is this magic that happens. You know, and 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 there's this ease in just an artist being able to come to somebody and say, "What did you have in mind here?" You know, or what do you think of this? And then that, you know, that what do you think of this leads to another idea, which leads to another idea, which leads to another idea. And then suddenly, like, you know, again, this is magic. This is like how stuff grows, you know, whereas like, you know, if there wasn't that communication, that free flow, then like maybe you would have stopped two steps in. But instead, you, you know, you take 10 steps, you take 15 steps. That's how like these things really grow organically. I've seen it happen on movie sets, you know, um, I mean, uh, as a writer being on movie sets, it's, um, you know, I, I, you know, if it's TV, you're, you're kind of in charge, you're managing this grand vision and, 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 and that, that happens more often. But if you're a writer on a movie set, you're normally trying to stay out of the way, but being there as a resource for an actor, uh, uh, if the director says it's okay for a director, for a production designer, for people to just come up and pick your brain. Hey, what did you have in mind for this? The director coming up and being like, you know what? We just saw the location. Uh, scene 13 is not going to work. So what can we do about that? You know, like keeping your original vision in mind, you know, you know, the the connective tissue of the story better than anybody. How do we get from here to here in a way that serves the, the story better? Um, uh, again, magic, you know? Uh, and, and so I think anytime you could do that, anytime you can kind of bring people together to kind of connect the dots in a really organic way, um, and sort of like grow, you know, the, the, the project, I think it's great. You're muted, David. I think what you, you get from some editors is that fear that you're leaving the kids alone in the playpen without the, without the <laughs> around and who knows what they will get up to and how off model they will go and how off story they will go and all that. But Leisha, how about you? What do you think? Um, I'm, I agree that there should be that open line of communication uh, for sure between like uh, writers and artists, no matter the discipline, like if it's comics or games or whatever, because I always find that like when two camps are isolated <laughs> and then you're trying to make this one idea, that's when mm -hmm. things go totally left. <laughs> and yeah. um, I remember specifically on Smooth Criminals, I can talk about this because it's a positive experience. Um, uh, we were discussing, um, uh, I had received uh, a script about um, who Mia's mother was and I was like I was like I don't know about this like is Mia's mom 
white or should um because Mia's supposed to be half Asian. I'm like, is Mia's mom white or is Mia's dad white? And they're like, does it matter? And I'm like, I think it does matter because like, especially in the context of uh, when it took place, when the character, how old the character was, like if you minus her age, that was the end of the World War II, right? right. So I'm like, why couldn't you just have the, um, why couldn't you just have uh, the, uh dad be a gi that finds like a japanese wife and brings her back and then um uh kiwi and um i've forgotten his name now and i feel terrible but they were like no that's actually a really great idea um we'll include that so now mia's mom was japanese mm -hmm. yeah and i mean i i i've written a lot of period stuff so obviously i always it always bugs me when people don't take the context of the period into account as to what people are doing and saying and how they're interacting culturally. And I love working with artists who are willing to care as much about those details. Julius Oda, who I did Betty Page with, I'm used to, I always set up a Pinterest page with artists and I'm just like, here are all of the faces I like. Here is, because I just, especially on period stuff, I don't want Julius to have to go I write, Betty Page picks up a telephone. I don't want Julius to spend two minutes going, what does a telephone looks like, look like in New York in 1953? I I'm a Brazilian in, 19, in 2021. I don't know what a telephone in New York in 1953 looks like. So I can find all that. Um, but, you know, Julius was one of the first artists I worked with who came back at me with <laughs> screenshots of Vogue magazine from 1952 saying, I think... I think it would be great if Betty Page is wearing this on pages one through nine. And I think Betty should then change into this for pages. I was like, that's, you have saved me some time. But he was as interested in the design of the period as I was. And that communication made all of that. And uh, probably possible. more fun for him to draw. Like, Oh, yeah. You know, you know and again, the awesome. first conversation I had with Dave Acosta, we were doing a Doc Savage one shot. And it didn't matter to me where the main action beat took place. So it's like, what would you rather draw? The 86th floor of the Empire State Building or a uh, scientific outpost in the middle of the woods in the Catskills? And he went, woods. <laughs> like, forget art deco, deco filigree for 20 pages. I, I want to yeah. draw, yeah. draw dark woods in the back. I was like, fantastic. I don't care. So I will write to that. Uh, and I think he appreciated that from the beginning. He also, I always tell the story because it's something writers never, I would never have thought about this. I wrote a three page scene in a shadow comic where the shadow was walking up a staircase, a long exter external staircase talking to someone. And he sent me the three pages of his layouts with every perspective line from every stair on the staircase. And he said, I just want you to think long and hard about this page before you write another three page scene on a staircase. <laughs> Oh was my like, God. It never occurred to me that a staircase was a tricky thing from angles and perspective. Who thinks that's hard to draw? That doesn't seem hard to draw. I have never tried to draw one, so I don't Scott, know. Um, with Cult, he wrote a three-pager of all staircases, but he has been actually doing layouts for the series. He was like, what can I do to help? And I'm like, you and I both have the same ideals of like cinema and like all the same, you know, like most of the movies that we like are pretty similar and things like that. So 
when he did it, he actually, I'm pretty sure he like Xeroxed a picture of stairs and like pasted them all together. And I was like, this is genius. You don't like, this looks perfect. This is easy for me to draw, but also like the way it kind of came together. I don't know where he found the photo or anything, but sure. when it Xeroxed and, you know, was scanned in or whatever, I'm like, this is kind of a funky way to play with like shadows and stuff like that, that I can just yeah. use for all the panels on every single page and just reuse it. And it worked out great. So That's great. Yeah. The, the most intense I ever did, I had a scene at Griffith park observatory. Uh, hmm. And I was writing for someone who lives 3000 miles from Griffith park observatory in a Betty page. And I literally went and took a, photograph I went one morning with the tourists and took a photograph of every panel that I could think of that's amazing like a three or four page scene and I'm like so this is panel one page two then we we reverse angle and this is panel two then we look at the wide shot that's panel three you know just running up and down the stairs taking pictures and everyone's like those aren't very good tourist photos you're taking pictures of an empty staircase why are you even doing that and it's like well chasing the joint yeah, but I just like I I just thought it, my favorite thing I think, and you can tell me as artists if this is helpful to you at all, using real locations, Google Street Maps. Oh, I oh, love yeah. that. Absolutely. I I wrote a thing that took place at uh, Loch Ness at the castle that's on Loch Ness, and it was why I was like, wow, you can literally place your person anywhere in this and look 360 degrees around. So I said to the artist, I was like. Rather than send you a bunch of pictures, put your little man on the map anywhere you want and you can find the correct background for this stuff. That's, I think about my dad writing novels in the 70s and like literally having to get in a car, drive to a library, find the right book, you know, to research anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, famously he, he novelized a book, a movie called Krakatoa East of Java. And the first thing he discovered in his research was that Krakatoa lies due west of Java. <laughs> he contacted the producers and they just said, just type monkey. We didn't, we're not changing the title. We're not changing the poster because you discovered that Krakatoa lies west of Java. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. oh no. <laughs> yeah. At least if anything, he tried. He tried. <laughs> he tried. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I have a complicated I, I, series about a theory about how they got to that title because I think the movie was originally called East of Java because that's the escape route away from Krakatoa, and then someone said it's a, it's a disaster movie. East of Java sounds like some South Seas romance. You got to put a disaster word in there. So they're like, okay, Krakatoa, East of Java, and no one went. Wait, that actually doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> anyway. But, uh, I think, um, I, I mean, the, the, Liana sort of hinted at this, but I think that, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm interested in this idea of artist, uh, uh, writer communication. And I think the, there's plenty to be gained, obviously, like talking about the nuts and bolts of the actual script, the project you're working on. Right. But then there's this mm -hmm. other thing where it's like the, um, kind of like the conversation around all of that. Right. It's like, what are you what are you watching right now? What are you listening to? What are your influences in general? And particularly if it's going to be I mean, I think too often there is this like, um, I don't know, there's this like gun for hire, like mercenary attitude that, that a lot of people get into. Well, 
I'm writing this and I'm moving on, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, and and so it's like I, I, I don't want to get to know you. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I don't I don't want to know what your influences were here. But I think that what we're striving for and and the most rewarding thing is when you get into these kind of long term relationships, you know, with an artist, with a writer, or whatever, with with a project, right? Like I I'm gonna write ten of these. I'm gonna write, you know, again, Avalonia has had this long love affair with Elvira, with Betty Page. Um, and so then I think it becomes very important to be like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's watch movies together. You're not actually watching movies together. I mean, most of my artists are overseas, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm, I, I'm talking to a guy in Brazil. I'm talking to a colorist in Indonesia. I'm talking to a letterer in the UK, but knowing that, okay, these are the five films that I'm pulling from, you know, uh, and in your spare time, you know, watch Michael Mann's heat. And then like, let's, you know, let's, let's hop on a zoom and talk about how badass Michael Mann's heat is. And, 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 and then it gives you the shorthand. It gives you this language. Right. So, you know, I am uh, a couple of years into a, a relationship with some of these people. And I can be like, do you remember the scene in heat when, you know, De Niro said this and he's up against the window and it's blue and, and it, you know, just, it gives you these touchstones. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, or, or, you know, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm in a, a cave writing this script and I have, I have this album on repeat the entire time, you know? Uh, and, and, and for some artists, they're going to hear that and they're going to be like, ah, oh, you know, fuck that. I, I don't need it. But for some artists, that is a revelation that can bring the entire thing to life that creates a mood for them, which they are then talented enough to put that mood on a page. Right. And so, and so I've had artists be like, you know, that was that was the key. I didn't see it. And then you said, listen to this album. And they listened to that album on repeat for, you know, a couple of weeks. And and this beautiful thing came spilling out of them, you know. Um, and so I think creating room for that to happen, uh, uh, it, it, it brings life to all this stuff, right? It, 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 it takes you from, like, mercenary, from, like, drawing monkey or typing monkey to, like, now we're actually creating stuff. And, like, we're, we're giving life to this and... and and we've created this this universe, right? I mean, I yeah. think that's awesome. I I totally agree. And if anything, if I feel very comfortable with the people I'm collaborating with, I like give homework because I don't even. I'm like, you have to be experiencing <laughs> the same media as I am just to see like where my head is at. Even for the Star Wars thing, like I create playlists for every single every single thing I do, even if it's work for hire, I don't mind. Mm -hmm. I do it for myself, but I also do it for like the writer or whoever brought me on or whatever as like a thank you or like whatever. Um, but even for creator own work, like Scott and I during development of some things, I'm like, okay, so this scene that you're describing to me sounds like this, this, and this, this comic, this movie, blah, 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 go read and watch all that. Like, again, I have to feel comfortable with the person to be like, you're going to go yeah. listen to that right now or whatever. <laughs> um, but I would expect that somebody does the same for me, especially like, you know, if cinematography is a huge influence for how you create comics or anything like that, that's huge into why I'm in comics as it is. So, um, if anything, you get to know your collaborator better too. And I think that's truly important, especially to develop these, uh, relationships over cross seas or whatever, until we can see each other in person and like actually get to, you know, celebrate these giant things that we've created and poured so much time into and so much work into. So, um, it's a great way to stay connected if anything.
Yeah, uh, homework is a great word for it. It's funny. It was like I, I, I think I was kind of dancing around that. It's only homework for Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I think that's exactly what it is, though. I, I mean, it's like you know, uh, I, I mean, I, I try to avoid characterizing it that, but it's like, yeah, yeah, this is your homework for the day. But it <laughs> is. It's, it's yeah. developing. It's developing the same language together, and you know. Yeah. Dave Acosta and I have sent each other playlists and albums and, you know, we have very different tastes in music, but you know, some of the, some of the stuff I listen to when I'm writing uh, is an influence on him. And I also want to talk about how much a writer can get from an artist. Like when I was offered, I've told this before, but when I was offered to Elvira, I had just done Betty Page and I was like, Oh, I don't want to do another sex symbol comic book thing. Like I, you know, I'm a little I'm a little exhausted trying to drag these into the 21st century and into feminism and all of that. Uh, but sure, I'll think about it. And Dave Acosta, who loves Elvira and Secret, I didn't know this, and he's like, I want that book really badly. So you're definitely saying yes to this. He sent me covers from Jerry Lewis comics from the 50s and Bob Hope comics. And he sent me panels of Bob Oxner's Angel and the Ape and Mad Magazine and Mort Drucker. And he said, this isn't, you're thinking about like, what story can I tell with Elvira? And it's not that there are no stories to tell, but this isn't, this is Mad Magazine. Like this is joke, 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 joke. That's what you need to do on this project. Don't worry so much about, ah, but will the story hold up? It's like, will it be funny? Every other panel is actually the job here, not Am I telling Absolutely. an epic tale that will, you know, that will last a lifetime? And I, I think we've told some great Elvira stories, but he, he freed up my inner Catskill comic and went, yeah, no, this is about a tacky sex joke. Every two panels is actually what the audience wants. What it's what the client wants. And they gave me a previous, uh, there had been a previous team on the book that had been rejected. And I looked at what they did. And it wasn't funny. Like it was, it wasn't a bad horror story, but it was literally just a, a horror story that wasn't particularly, there was nothing intrinsically funny about it. And right. Dave also, I come to comics from movies. And when I started out, I had a very cinematic style, which was no captions, just sound effects and whatever people say. And that's, and Dave eventually said to me, let comics be comics, man, use captions. Don't make it so that I have to draw every plot development. Sometimes you can just say later that day. Sometimes you can just say 3,000 miles away on an island in, in the South Pacific. Like you don't need to force me to tell the entire story visually. You can jump over some steps, you know. And it now I use captions a lot and I'm a big fan of it. And I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking forward to, I have a reason to use use actually bring back the thought balloon in my next project and i'm very excited to bring back the thought <laughs> nice yeah. yeah well elvira's got the dog gonk and i have an entire three-page sequence of where gonk is telling the story and i'm like i reached out to taylor esposito and i said i'm gonna need some snoopy thought balloons for gonk <laughs> for gonk <laughs> telling the story i got a dog talking for three pages it can't be regular balloons. I need a Snoopy thought balloon every single time the dog speaks. And he was like, great. I'll try and find a Charles Schultz uh, <laughs> font for you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, keeping those lines of community. And as, as Rylan said about writing, there's this thing, and I think it's particularly big with amateurs, that, you know, 
It's all about the province of the individual artist, the single person's vision. And that's literally nothing you've ever seen or done. Like maybe the occasional painting or sculpture, but even Michelangelo had 20 guys helping him out in the Sistine Ta Chapel. Like it's not what you, it's not what you think it is. Yeah, and, for sure. And you know, and that the best artists I think are the ones who know how to listen to a collaborator and go, that is better than the first idea I had. Let's do that thing, you know? And also that collaborate uh, whenever, whenever someone, there's what I call genius disease, particularly in movies. And it's easier to list people who have not been infected with gen genius disease than to make a list of the people who have genius disease, who like no longer listen to collaborators. The, the AD can never tell them we should move on. We got this. The DP can never tell them this is the wrong angle. The editor can never tell them the shot has gone on eight seconds too long. Can we just back it up a little bit? Uh, and I think there are probably the same people in comic books, but I think the, the, the real goal is to not be one of those people and to listen to your collaborators. Oh yeah. I mean, speaking for me personally, um, I actually think my ideas are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. And then I go, please help me. Please give me ideas that are better than what I've just come up with. Um, although I will say, uh, speaking like speaking only from true, uh, wow, smooth criminals. Um, my genius idea uh, was that I made Mia an idiot. <laughs> like I think that um, she was supposed to be like this cool, like coothy, like sly assassin, and she comes off that way at first. And then um, as like Kiwi was writing her, I was like, she's dumb. Like, I'm sorry. Like, she's not smart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love like when you can take time to develop personalities together. Like I, you got to almost look at, I think, the entire creative team as like a writer's room. Let some people kind of throw down even the colorist or somebody has like a good idea about something. Right. Um and I think it's fun when you can see like these people come to life in your comics just based off of the way an artist drew them in one panel and then they kind of develop a whole personality afterwards. Like it's magic. It's to me anyway. So no, it, it absolutely is. And I think it, you know, it's an interesting thing with the streaming video uh, model of making television shows that I worry sometimes that they're not reactive the way television shows used to be able to be. Four episodes into Star Trek, they looked at the mail and they went, more Spock episodes, fucking got it. <laughs> Guys, crank out some, well actually DC Fontana, crank out some Spock episodes for us because dang, everybody loves Mr. Spock. Man from Uncle, the Russian cat, you know, David McCallum is like fifth on the call sheet but he happens to be one of the most beautiful men in the world. And, you know, by episode three, he's a co-star on the show. And I think that's only because they were able to go like, oh, everybody digs on the Russian guy. Instead of him, Robert Vaughn, a file once an episode, maybe he goes out with Bob every episode and it's the two of them instead of the one. It's not because the, the show was called The Man from Uncle, not The Men from Uncle. But they quickly went, oh, everybody loves this dude. Let's have more of him. And comics certainly do that within our within our own little four or five month window of 
hearing what people reacted to and didn't react to. But yeah, that the way the team, uh, you know, Taylor Esposito, the letter I've worked with the most has absolutely suggested jokes that I have put in the script. I had a thing in one of the Elvira's where, uh, the, the central mystery was that it was Elvira in the shape of water. It was called The Shape of Elvira. And the gag was that the Del Toro-like director was not just making a movie. He was doing a science experiment and seeing if a human woman could mate with an actual Brazilian river monster. Uh, but the joke was, he says, oh, you'll never see your co-star out of the makeup. He's very method. So the entire first two issues, she's like, it's Christian Bet. No, it's Daniel Day-Lewis. So there's a scene where there's a scene where a couple of cops like sort of run tell her no it's a real monster and they run down every method actor you know Matt McConaughey is working on the is playing the Giving Tree in a production of the Giving Tree on Broadway you know like a bunch of nonsense but I had uh, I had uh, uh, Christian Bale is starring in the musical version of American Psycho on Broadway and I didn't have a funny title for it and Taylor in the margins wrote. Bateman begins, right? And I went, oh shit, is that good? Bateman Court, Patrick Bateman's the name of the character, Christian Bale Bateman. Mm -hmm. Batman begins. Like I was like, there's the joke. I didn't, no. I didn't, I didn't nail it, but you got it before I got it. It, it <laughs> is it, 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 it's such a gift to have collaborators that just know the the world, the characters, the story as well yep. as you do. And, and, and it can, friends. It can, yep. It, it can 100 percent save your ass, right? I mean, I, I love it when you know, it doesn't it doesn't happen uh, you know too often, but but I, I love when the letter just comes you know just comes off the top rope with you know I, I don't think this character would say that you know um, I mean it, you know it, it, at that point it, it's gotten by me it's gotten by the artist but but when when he says that he's he's right he's one hundred percent right and um, and it makes the story better I mean I love when you know I love when an artist comes up and says you know what I don't think we need this page you know it's like he he or she they're costing themselves like a hundred and some odd dollars by saying that but yeah we can cut this <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like that person that person is invested in this story invested in the quality of this book and that's amazing and where it saved me is you know i mean if i'm if i'm writing a long series or something like that i mean i i know the beginning really well i i've set up some of the fence posts so i i know where i'm going i know where it ends but i can get into the kind of deep water in the middle of a, a series and not really know what's next right what should come next like not uh, i'm 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 sort of flailing between fence posts right and there have been times where i've gone to the artist and i'm like what what do you think happens here like what are we missing what is the you know what has the character not experienced or in terms of what it planned like what are we missing and the artist knows you know al almost every time the artist can say like you haven't done this or why don't we do this or it would be really interesting if they did this and and sometimes the artist can come in with like a fully fleshed out take and it's brilliant i mean sometimes it's just a seed that they hand to you that you can then plant and water and it kind of brings everything to life but um i mean i just had to do that in a project i mean i'm 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 you know i'm i'm so busy and scatterbrained right now i'm gonna have you know five six things going and there's one thing that i have not had the time to like tend to carefully um and that thing would have I don't know, maybe died on the vine, if not for an artist being like, this is what we're missing. And, and, and I was like, absolutely. You know, and it, it energized me, it invigorated me. 
uh, 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 they were right. And it's, it, I mean, it's amazing when they can kind of, when you can kind of hand them the wheel for a second, for a mile, for a hundred miles or something like that. That's awesome. That's a, yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it, you know, it's the ultimate, like, um, you know, the ultimate endorsement of the relationship, you know, the ultimate embrace of, uh, of the relationship, they are as invested in this as you are, like, if not more, and they're as enthusiastic and as excited and like, and as in love with these characters as you are. And that's, that's awesome. Absolutely. I, mm -hmm. um, Leisha, I had hinted earlier that like Leisha had helped me with layouts for something. And when she gave me like the third page, she was like, this guy's kind of like a Keanu Reeves type, isn't he? And I was like, oh my God, I didn't see that before. But now that you said that, I cannot unsee it. And now that's his entire personality. So, <laughs> and that's just from us one panel, like, you know, mm -hmm. so I don't know. I, I always enjoy being able to collaborate with both other, you know, the reason why I said friends earlier is because even like uh, friends like Leisha that I have and other friends who read my books and then they're like, what if you, what if you added a little something in this, like in the next page of the next issue? And I'm like, that is so genius. Why I'd never think of that. Even like the third issue um, cover was like suggested by one of our friends, Hagai. He was like, how have you not thought of doing an homage to this? Like what, you know? And so it just becomes like, it's more than just, especially creator own work. It's more than just you at that point. It's like this collaboration of like everyone who really supports you and like isn't as invested in the series as you are, which I think is makes creating 10 times more fun and more worth it. For sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about on this show a lot about how, you know, with Kickstarter, it's it's about raising the money, but it's also about creating a community of people who feel like they're personally invested in your success and in it being good and in it getting into their hands. And that's kind of an invaluable thing uh, for some creator owned stuff. But even in, you know, even in licensed stuff, even in, you know, it, you know, my dad wrote tie-ins, TV tie-ins and, and, and novelizations. And it's like, no matter how corporate the work is, you, you cannot help if you're, if you actually believe in the work you do you're, there's no phoning it in. There's you just. I sometimes when I'm exhausted, I'm just like, man, I wish I could phone this shit in. Man, I wish I didn't like when I used to be a film editor and I would be looking at every terrible take of something because I was working with people who didn't keep good notes. And I was like, man, I wish I was just the kind of person who could just look at the last take and assume that's the right one and just get on with my life. But no, I have to sit here waiting through all of this terrible stuff. <laughs> Because I want it to be the best thing that it can possibly be, and that's always exhausting, uh, particularly when you didn't, when you don't have the best collaborators in the world. But you know, there's always you know the ego thing. People also people make the mistake of thinking that if you say, "Oh, the letter came up with this joke," "Oh, the colorist suggested that idea," that they're diminished in some way, as opposed to the opposite, which is you seem e equally like a genius, but now you're generous. Now you're, you're thoughtful. Yeah, now you're uplifters. You know, and I, I don't think I've ever worked on a book where everyone didn't contribute something where I went, oh, that's so good. That's so nice. That's so funny. You know, I did a book. Uh, one of the uh, Elvira books takes place in on a Hollywood soundstage in 1938. And I had all these celebrity cameos in it. And then 18 pages in, a couple of security guards show up. 
And they're just a couple of security guards. And when I got the pages, they were Abbott and Costello. <laughs> and I laughed so hard. And I was like, of course, they're meeting Frankenstein. This is this is the first time they meet Frankenstein as opposed to the movie we've all seen. Um, and that's just, you know, I didn't think of that. Dave Acosta thought of that. And it's absolutely perfect for the book. And how 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 could I possibly have invented two security guards and had no idea about who they would be or what they would be like but that was just me being lazy and he having to sit down and put a face on those two nameless uninteresting security guys and i was like well now i got to give them dialogue <laughs> like now i've got to make them more interesting than just these two mutton jeff dudes and they Turns actually your lettering pass into like <laughs> yeah. not a whole other job yeah no but yeah. i uh, you know i from the first book i worked on i realized that I would want a lettering pass after inks so that I could see what the artist had done. Because a lot of times you go, well, now I don't need that guy to say that because I can see what's happening in the panel. I mean, if you look at old comic books, old Marvel books, old DC books, excuse me, not going to sneeze. The funniest thing is the, the lack of faith in the art to tell the story. Like every other panel is Professor Xavier saying... Scott, there's our Quinjet. Get on it and fly everybody to like, really? We Didn't we just talk about Talking like, out every single action. Just, just give me a panel of them walking on the Quinjet if you must. But do we really have to talk about like, it's our Quinjet that we fly to places. It's like, oh, good. I never would have. Un and the first two pages of any Marvel book are always like, I can't believe we find ourselves at, in Doctor Doom's lair, which we got to last time by doing this that and the other thing yes dr doom he is a terrible terrible person that we know from 20 years ago when he did this that and the i'm like the inside <laughs> the front cover uh synopsis is maybe my favorite thing in modern comic books yeah the fact that i don't have to write stanley roy thomas first pages that recap all hundred issues of continuity as concisely as possible before we get on with our our current storyline um but yeah, the amount of story, you know, the amount of storytelling that the artist can do for you and then you can react to and again, find the jokes that are there, find the images that are there. It's uh, coming from movies. I think post-production prepared me for being a comic book writer more than almost anything else in movies because it's that thing of managing the team and you know, the, the lettering pass is the sound mix and the coloring is the coloring, <laughs> you know, they're very similar. Uh, they're similar things, you know, and, and you're not the one doing the heavy lifting anymore, but you are sitting in the bay going, that's, sh that shouldn't be red. That should be purple. Cause that's not mm -hmm. actually the very first comic I did. There was a dead body who had had his soul sucked out of him by a, a super villain. And there was a, it was a Victorian thing and there was a puddle in the foreground and the colorist made it a puddle of blood instead of water because they're like, well, it's a dead body. I'm like, yeah, when your soul is removed from your body by an interdimensional vampire, it doesn't necessarily create blood puddles, blood. but thank you for your, <laughs> you know, and, and of course, uh, Dynamite printed the page with the blood puddles because they, they literally, they, it got fixed and then they printed the first version. <sighs> but, uh, you know, these Ooh. things, these, yeah. I was going to say, uh, especially for writers that cater to artists and colorists, uh, time of day and any other color notes at the top of the page, oh, which yeah. is something new that know. I've, you know, learned as a writer or whatever. So 
That's so um, helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Never thought of that until I saw Scott's, you know, pass or like edits or notes for Gab on True Cult being like, oh, yeah, it is nighttime at that point, isn't it? <laughs> like, right. Oops. Yeah, yeah. no. And so, and so I've read comic books where someone writes a day that like a week's worth of shit happens in and night night never falls and you know nothing ever nothing ever interrupts the flow of the action you're like man they have been awake a really long time and the sun has stayed in the sky a crazy long time i'm so sorry there's something on fire can you hold on for like sure (laughs) wow you're not i hope something's not actually on fire yeah it's actually the second it's it's the second fire in the history of this uh Oh yeah. Your your laptop got on fire. Remember? Oh yeah, that's right. That was more yeah, of a like spark, sparks. But, yeah. Wow. Oh my I had gosh. a broke I had a broken power uh power source and I was literally like putting the two bare wires together and it shot up some sparks and you know, good clean, wholesome American fun. The, the, um, that <laughs> is very yeah. good. Very well done. You we're always there. That was so quick. I just gonna... put a fire out. No, my 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 roommate left some rice on, and oh, no. uh, uh, then disappeared, as you know. <laughs> and um, it was on high heat. Oh, and it's been on high heat for a while, and I've been watching it boil, and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> thank God it was in your eyesight. Yeah, and I was just like. Uh, I have to deal with this, so I'm sorry <laughs> that that happened. Well, I'm glad something didn't actually catch fire. Yeah. That, that, that would you be... didn't miss much. We yeah. were just hearing about David's experience trying to become an electrician. This is, you know, this is the second fire on our show. I did once have a broken power supply that was shooting sparks everywhere, which I replaced with a very nice power supply that we are currently using. <laughs> Great, that's perfect. Oh yeah, you know what? Is there anything else you think writers should know? What? What? You know, yes. like you said, horses. We've got horses. We've got staircases. We've got crowds. Well, I, 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 I think horses were like a, that was a personal thing. I, 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 I don't think that I don't think Liana was saying don't ask uh, an artist in general to draw a horse. No, well, Liana I, I also, she, she I also personally think- doesn't like drawing horses. I also think depending on what you're writing, like if if you're given Savage sort of Conan and the person says, I don't like drawing horses, you're like, maybe this isn't the book for you. Yeah, uh, exactly. If you don't like drawing horses, I think maybe the Conan book is is kind of a mistake. <clears throat> there are people who hate drawing cars. Yeah. I wrote a World War II thing and went to three of my favorite artists with it and all three of them said a variation of, I really don't want to draw a tank. <laughs> like, I really don't want to draw tanks and machine guns and... Nazi uniform. That's just that's they. They were like daunted by the research, uh, and eventually I picked Sylvia Califano because I thought, oh, she draws Star Trek, so her entire life is getting Federation technology right, getting uniform. Like she, this is going to be a walk in the park for her because I'm nicer than Paramount about things staying on model. Uh, so. <laughs> If you take one thing from this podcast, it's do not ask an artist to draw a horse ever. No horses. <laughs> I want to know Alicia's like no no. Yeah. Like, are there are there any personal ones to you, Alicia? Uh well I I'm not a huge fan of crowd scenes. There was something in Smooth Criminals, I'm gonna keep <laughs> referencing it. Um, but um they the whole thing was about this huge, beautiful uh 
ornament, like huge, beautiful jewel, right? Like there's several jewels tied together, several diamonds, and like they kept referencing it. And I'm like, I'm gonna have to draw this, aren't I? <laughs> and then I was like, I'm really gonna have to draw, yeah, that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm really gonna have to draw this, aren't I? And then um, me being in games, I also know how to do 3D. So I was like, I'm gonna model this. I'm not gonna make it. <laughs> I'm not gonna draw it. <laughs> but like, I'm I'm kind of down to clown with any any drawing. Like I'm I'm fine with cars. I'm fine with crowds. But at the same time, I just want the writer to have an idea of what they want. So, like visually speaking, so if they can do like a little thumbnail, I would love a little thumbnail. <laughs> like I don't care how bad it is. That's good I, to like, know. Like, if they have an idea for a composition that they saw in a movie and they were like, I want this, right? And they just draw a little stick figure. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, obviously, then I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I, I have had occasionally artists reach out to me and say, I don't know how to get all of the things you have described into one panel. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a panel in a Doc Savage comic I did once that was like, I was like, so the five guys that work with Doc Savage are standing there. He's back to us, and behind them you see all of Doc Savage's gear. There's a submarine hanging from the ceiling. There's an airplane, and he was like, can you just do me a basic layout of where everyone is and where's the submarine and where's the airplane? I feel like that should be an entire splash page. Like Yeah. It, well, it, well it, was a big, it was a big page, but it was, uh, it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, I think I can, I can draw – that's mostly my stick figures have been an artist telling me, I don't know how that physically works. Can you explain to me how that would would work? And sometimes you go, yeah, you're right. You can't see both of those things at once. That makes no sense. Uh, when you, you write, know. do you see like, um, there's this conversation about how artists visualize in their head. And it's like, it goes from zero to five, zero being like black static to five being like you can see a full apple you can rotate it in your head everything when you're writing on the scale of zero to five what do you see i would say for me it depends on where in the process we are in the sense that the more you know by issue two i know what everybody looks like i know what the, the costume look like on it that makes it much easier to see it mm -hmm. uh, and I think that after the first issue, I start seeing it instead of as a movie or as still photographs, I see it as a comic book because I know that's what it's going to, I know what the art looks like. I know what the style is. I know how it's going to end up looking, but that's a, that's a, it's, it's a funny thing actually that the, the, the scary part, for, I love writing. There's nothing I don't love about it, but when I've got one of those black holes that Ryland was talking about between issue the you know 10 page 10 of issue two and page 18 of issue, issue three where you're like a bunch of stuff has to happen in there i don't know what that stuff is necessarily i that's very painful to me and rowing into that area and mapping it out uh can be all sorts of things and that's sort of when you need to be open to any influence that might come in and help you figure out what it is that you're missing. And a lot of times, the, the Omega Mam quarantine special, because of the quarantine, because of Dynamite not knowing when they were going to launch the Kickstarter, 
we, Dave and I did that very much like I would write a couple of pages, he would draw them, we'd talk about what was going to be in the next couple of pages, I would write them, he would draw them. Sometimes he would introduce a background character and I would say, that character looks fantastic, I'm going to write two pages about that character, thank you. Uh, and that, in some ways, that was an ideal way to work, that is no way to meet a monthly schedule. We could never do it that way every way, but I honestly think we'd both be making better comic books if every comic book I made was done that way, you know, Absolutely. to a certain degree. You yeah, know, it's like, sure. it's like while you're shooting a movie, you're seeing the dailies of the movie you're shooting. You're not, you know, I mean, admittedly, you've written it beforehand, but like the movie is taking shape in front of your eyes and you change things as it takes shape in front of your eyes. And doing that with a comic script was kind of a new, you know, again, based on the schedule just being, yeah, we don't know when we're going to need this thing. So you guys just kind of keep going until we stop you. Um, and yeah, Dave and I would still be rewriting and redrawing that thing if we hadn't been stopped because it kept getting more interesting every time we, you know, we worked on it. I think, um, I, I, I mean, back to the question, I think that, um, I mean, if I have a, a, a weakness, you know, a, a principal weakness, it's that I see it too clearly. You know, I mean, I, 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 went to, I went to the American Film Institute and studied directing, and so I treat each one of these things like a film I'm directing. And so, I, you know, when I, when I prep a script, I'm writing the script, but I'm also, I, I, I'm directing the film while I'm writing it, right? And, and, and so I'm, I'm pouring in everything I would give a costume or a production designer, a cinematographer, all of that stuff. And, um, and I, I have to go out of my way to remind myself, but then remind my collaborators over, over and over again, look, I'm going to bring you a very fleshed out version of this. Um, and for some, that can be a little overwhelming. Like they feel that maybe there's not room for them. Right. You know, it's like, oh, well, he wants it this way. Uh, I better do it this way. And I have to say like, look, please, please, please disagree with me. If you see a better way to do this, if this isn't working, if it, you know, uh, um, I'm going to bring you a lot. Um, uh, if it's not working for you, tell me and, and, and we'll figure this out. And so I, I have to be open to that. I mean, all that said, I mean, back to what, what Leisha said, I mean, I think that most artists really appreciate that. Like here is everything that's in my head. And, 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 and you know, I mean, my, my scripts end up being like, you know, for a, a 24, 26 page comic, I'll have a 50 page script and it's a 50 page script because there are a ton of links in there. Hey, here's uh, here's what I'm seeing in my head. Here's uh, here's the environment. Here's uh, here's a costume uh, suggestion. Here's a, and it's not do this or else it's a here. This, this is what I'm seeing in my head. This is the, the, the start of a discussion. And, you know, I think that, I mean, particularly, particularly with me, because if I'm working with an artist in, in Brazil who doesn't speak English, or English isn't, you know, his or her first language. Um, I'm writing an email. It goes into Google Translate. They're gleaning maybe 96, 98% of what I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to give to them. I mean, like, the more explicit you can get about all this stuff, you know, a lot of times, like, if, if they send me a layout and the layout's not working, I mean, I'll, I'll go into Photoshop and I'll just, well, let me, let me cut this out and, and let me blow it up a little bit. Let me flip this. You know, sort of screen directions, right? All that stuff, and I just send them back. I, I send that back. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I've, I'm not an artist. Like, it doesn't look good, but they can see what's in my head. You know, this is what's in my head. What do you think of this? And a lot of times they're like, "Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> yes, absolutely." Right. Um, I like it's it is a shortcut, right? It's like I could have spent, you know, I could have spent ten emails trying to explain what's in my head, 
but you are a you are a visual person. Let me just show you. Let me try well, to spill out what's in my Especially if you're using whatever was yeah. given to you to begin with. If you're just, you know, kind of shaping the page using what you have, that's, yeah. I would feel like, just as collaborative, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the best story I have in terms of that stuff is, so a uh, friend of the show, Stephen Prince, he's a guy who does this uh, this comic book, Monster Matador. And the first 10 issues of Monster Matador, he drew himself. Um, and, and, and he's a good artist, but he's not like a world-class artist. And so when he was going to do the next series, he decided to, he, he went out and found an amazing artist. Um, and back to crowd shots. Um, is a monster matador is a is a kaiju thing. Um, you know, it's about a matador who's kind of wandering the earth, and it's a post-apocalyptic world where kaiju monsters are going crazy. This guy wanders from town to town and beats the the monster of the day, and then rolls rolls off to to the next adventure. Well, it was um, in this particular issue, this arc. It was uh, uh, what he was battling was like these giant bug creatures, right? And so there is this scene where it is supposed to be like hundreds of them or thousands of them like coming to attack this town. And he, and he is writing this scene and he's an artist. He knows how hard this is. He knows what he's asking of his artist, right? And so he starts off and it's a very long uh, uh, scripted scene. He starts off by apologizing because he knows, which, which, which I think is nice. It's a, it's a good opening volley. But as an artist, what he says is, look, I know that what I'm asking you to do is ridiculous and awful and terrible. He's like, here is a suggestion in terms of how to approach it. Like, here is a trick that I would use to mass produce these, <laughs> these, these bugs and then get them into and onto a page. Uh, and, and he gave, the, he gave you know, he, he basically created a roadmap to producing this thing for his artist, and his artist took that and ran with it, and ended up being a great page. And so, so if you are going to screw your artist over, uh, I mean, I think that that is, like, a great concession. It's like, here, I know this sucks, but, but, but here are some tools. Here is a way <laughs> to make this easier, to make this less horrible, to make this half as horrible. I thought that was funny, you know? And, and, and so he gave me the script to, re to proofread, and I'm like, this is great. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna fuck your artist, at least like at least do this for him. Or yeah, or make concessions for like maybe yeah. if the artist has to do a bunch of different perspectives, just let them use a three D model instead of mm -hmm. drawing yeah. the staircase, the spiral staircase, four thousand times. Smarter, not harder. Yeah, I have I have absolutely you know comics, especially on a monthly deadline. Trace away, man. Like you know, tr do whatever, do whatever you need to to get the thing right. Like you know, especially like you know, complex technology and you know, backgrounds. It's like I don't use photo montage. Meme, I don't um, on Instagram the other day where it was like uh, all these people are complaining about how artists trace and stuff like that, but did they not realize that like everyone who's done murals like back in the eighteen hundreds and stuff literally just like reflected the thing onto the wall and yeah. like traced it <laughs> yeah no man and, and the idea that that like you could give me tracing paper and the finest comic book work in the world and i would not come up with something that anyone wanted to look at like that's not <laughs> that, that 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 is that, that doesn't save you you know as a time saver it is a fantastic thing and you know i was reading uh, i was watching a, a podcast with uh Chaikin and Chaikin was talking about like he now draws figures and backgrounds, puts it into Photoshop and moves it around until he likes the composition. Like instead of going, I'm going to do this drawing on a you know on blue pencil and keep mm -hmm. drawing it until I like the composition. It's like no, I you know 
here are the two people in the foreground. Here's the guy in the background. Here's the office they're going to be standing in. He, you know, he, uh, he plays around with textures, you know, fabric and backgrounds and floors and all of that. And it's all Photoshop. And again, when he started out, people don't remember this, but it was, you know, uh, it was duo shade and zipatone and people had like exacto yeah. blades and they were cutting shit out and pasting it on a piece of paper and that's what you thought was like you know pre-made Franco was not drawing all that stuff like it's yeah. not that's not actually how that works like it's um and again I, I i can't argue with whatever works and whatever you know stylistically looks great in the end the first comic i ever wrote because I was new, and this was only about 2014, the first two I sketched completely every page just because I wanted to know that I wasn't asking someone to draw, like, too much action to fit on a page and too much, awesome. you know, and I stick to the four to six panel rule per page. But I have noticed that, like, a lot of the genius self-taught geniuses in the business frequently do like 17 panel pages and i'm like i just don't ever want to write that <laughs> you know i will never i did it i've told this before also but i i wrote something that kevin eastman did layouts on and there were some funny animal martial arts scenes in it and i called them up and i said i'm not going to script these i'm going to stan lee this and say for five pages the rag dolls fight the dogs at the end these characters are on the ground. This one's dead. This one's climbing out a window. You get me there in five pages. I will write quips and witticisms based on your thing. But I'm not going to tell Kevin Eastman how to draw funny animals doing martial arts. I think that's, you know. And also, I could not script the 12 to 20 panel page that he's going to write, that he's mm -hmm. going to do, you know, where he atomizes all of the action to, like, tiny little close-ups of things happening. It's like, I'm not, my mind does not work that way. And if it starts working that way, every penciler I ever work with in the future is going to hate my guts. So let me not adopt 80s comic book style too many panels uh, as a, you know, as a house style. For the TKO thing, um, you know, it was like my first time really writing with a co-writer and like for something big published. So I was trying to do my best at, you know, being a team player and making sure that we were uh, doing the best for Paul, you know, for Paul, who's been doing Outcast for years and doesn't mm -hmm. need, you know, me to be writing out panels for him. But right. there was a scene, uh, we were going to do a double page spread about how all these people had died. And I was like, listen, I'll list like two or three, but I know you're just as dark as Joe and I. So like, feel free to, you know, come up with whatever you want. You know, you're the one drawing it. So... And he was like, yeah, yeah, just give me as many as you want. And then I'll just like play around with it. And so to see him draw all these different ways, because like when I had called him, I was like, all I'm envisioning is like, uh, I think it's Alien 2 or 3 where the aliens sucked out of the window. And I was like, that's the most gruesome one I could come up with. And I'm sure that you can come up with some that are just as creative. And he mm -hmm. was like, oh, yeah, definitely. So. I like that. I like the Marvel method, but only when I know that someone is 
okay with it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I know that when I get Marvel Method, I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't. Like, you know, maybe because I'm too busy, like, doing other things and, like, yeah. managing different projects. Or, like, because I just can't see it for some reason. Because my visual sense is very much in the middle of, like, black static space and, like, rotating an apple. It's in the middle where I'm like, I can kind of see it. And some of these parts look very crisp and clear, but, like, others just don't no. at all. So. Well, and they're... And there are very there are there are gradations even in the Marvel method. I mean, it cracks me up that people call it the Marvel method when they write out twenty pages and tell you what happens on every page. It's like, yeah, that's Stan Lee handed Jack Kirby a piece of paper and said, "Galactus comes to Earth." Twenty four pages, go. You know, like that's the yeah. actual the actual Marvel <laughs> method is let the artist do everything and then script to the panels they draw. And when you're when your collaborator is Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko, sure, it's a fucking great idea. Actually, uh, if they're not, you should maybe. But I've done I've done comics where I've written eight pages and just simply not broken up the panels mm -hmm. and just said, you know, page one, it's fully scripted, but I'm not saying this is the panel, this is the panel, this is the panel. And but you know, you when you do that, you're like. I think that's less than five actions that need to be shown to convey all of this. I think that's less than six actions. You know, I think this will fit on six panels. And then sometimes they say this last beat has to move to the next page or go away forever, you know? And that's a, you know, that's also, I would never say that my greatest skill as a comic book writer is panel descriptions. You know what I mean? That's not, some people are better at that than others. You know, I'm not Alan Moore writing a 20 page single panel description, you know, like, <laughs> uh, so there's that, but in all caps, yeah, in all caps, but, uh, and yeah, the format thing is interesting. I do, I've worked on a format that I like, uh, I haven't had any artists complain about it, but I've had the first format someone gave me to work with was not good. <laughs> I thought it was counterintuitive, but they were a professional who was working for the same company I was. So I was like, okay, I'll do this. And then I submitted something written that way to Eastman. And he was like, can I show you a different format than this one? Cause I can't look, I can't read this. I can't look at this. Mm -hmm. And then he sent me something uh, that was, that made sense to me. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, but I sent it to my artist that I was working with on a different project. And I said, if I switch to this, you you're okay with that and he's like oh that is so much better you know <laughs> it does blow your mind coming from film it blows your mind that there is no accepted comic book format well i mean it's a and 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 that yeah and that there aren't guiding principles i mean you know the you know liana was saying it earlier it's like okay well well putting the time of day uh, at the beginning of panel, uh, a panel description, like putting where you are is very helpful. We should do that. It's this relevatory thing. And it is because that information is not usually <laughs> uh, right up front, but you go to a film script and it's interior, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Ryland's office, uh, day, you know, uh, uh, you know, exterior, poolside, night, you know, I mean, it's, it's right up front, you know, yeah. you, you, you get all that necessary information. It is very helpful. And the idea that there, I mean, there's nothing. You know, there are no guiding principles. I, I, I mean, and, and, and I don't know. I don't know if it's our fuck you attitude, but but the idea that this has been going on for a long time. People have been making comic books for a while now. <laughs> and the idea that there aren't 
I don't know, 10 rules you have to follow is, is yeah. pretty crazy. And it's, it's freeing in a way and it's interesting. Um, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, there, there are things that you can't get across in a film script. Um, uh, you know, because I mean, you're preparing the film script for the entire town. You know what I'm saying? It is something that is like, that is meant to be read by like a, a, a certain audience and, and, um, mm -hmm. has to be digested a certain way. It's like a, a, you know, a, a comic script is really never supposed to be read by anybody but the artist. Right. And so it's this, you know, and of course the letterer and the colorist, but it is like, it is this one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yeah. Right. Um, and so there's no form to it. And so that's freeing in a way it's interesting, but it's also, I don't know. I, it's, uh, I, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. I just did the, one of the lazier things I've ever done in a comic script. I'm writing this uh, Elvira comic that takes place at Comic-Con and there's a valet that accepts her car from her. And I wrote, the valet is in whatever cosplay you like. And then <laughs> Elvira. That's great. Elvira, you know, keys are in the ignition, comma, in parentheses, joke name relating to cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you draw it, I'll figure out what quip she has about however that person is dressed. I have no, you know, I have no strong feelings about it one way or another. Draw Dracula, draw Frankenstein, draw an alien from the X-Files. I literally don't care. Just whatever visual joke you want to do, I'm sure I can come up with some quip for Elvira to say once I see what it is that you drew. There's a, there's a famous story about the Dick Van Dyke show. Carl Reiner produced it. And Dick Van Dyke is a improvisational physical comedy genius. There was a scene where he's getting ready to go to a gala and putting on a tuxedo. And in the script, the writer's room came up with, it said, Dick puts tie on funny. <laughs> and Carl Reiner took the script, walked into the writer's room and said, so you want me to fire all of you and just let Dick improv the whole thing? Because you need to do better for Dick than Dick puts tie on, tie on funny. <laughs> it's like the whole script could be, and then Dick Van Dyke does something hilarious that we ourselves cannot come up with. He's like, right then I don't need you if the whole script is Dick puts tie on funny. So don't ever do that again. <laughs> if you don't have a, a way in which he can put the tie on funny, you know. Right, and a, then let him improv after. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I read a great interview with the screenwriters of Singing in the Rain where they talk about, you know, we wrote the dialogue up to this, the Singing in the Rain scene. She's like, we then forgot to put, and then Gene Kelly does the greatest solo dance in the history of movies. But I wish we had put that in the script and could take credit for it. But uh, Gene just kind of did that. And uh, that's all his talent, you know. Like, you can praise us for being the screenwriters, but, like, all we could do is write dance sequence to Singing in the Rain. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, you know, four minutes. And then Gene tips his hat to a cop and walks away in the rain. <laughs> that's it. That's all we've got to add to this. Uh, you know, you do what you can. And then but they fight. Yeah, and then they right. fight. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's I, good. Oh, I was just gonna say when I write, typically, like I kind of do what you do, where I give way more information than not, and be like, "You can use none of this, and that's fine." Right. And like the only thing that's important, I try to like star, and but I typically am talking to the person that is writing it. So like, I wrote a script recently for Adam Gorham, who like I've recently met um, in person, and like I felt more comfortable writing at him in the script than I would just like writing a script. And I knew my editors, you know, were cool with that. Like, 
they know what they're reading. I'm sure they've read every type of script, but I kind of have this amalgam of like the way I write scripts from like the way Joe kind of writes his and then the way that I've read a lot of Scott's and like made my own kind of template. And one of the things I wanted to touch base on is like, it's such a, comics is such a freelance industry and there's so many different publishers and some are owned by larger corporations and some aren't and all these other things. So it's not like there's just one publisher that can be like, you're turning in a script that looks like this. And, you know, editors have been working for so long that they've seen a script from this time to this time and, like, however they prefer to work as well is just... I don't think we're ever going to have a point where we have, like, a like a generalized... I think it's already been tried, right? Like, Marvel tried to be like, write a script like this, and there's just... You know, we're always learning how to make this easier and better because direct market and, like monthlies and all that stuff is so difficult that we need to add like a whole bunch of different people not just one person can do it anymore so um and if they can kudos to them and i hope they're getting paid a lot and also like lots of time to work on it so i i think i actually think that i think i think hollywood movies would be better if we were allowed to write them like we write comics i mean if it were a if it were more of a conversation with collaborators i mean um there have been there have been versions of this you know i mean if you go and you read the script uh for boogie nights i mean paul thomas anderson is like i mean he's he's it is a treatise on cinematography it is like you know i, I i'm starting here the camera's moving through the room here we're going down into the pool we're coming up we're coming out and it was like and and he did this for a a reason it's like you know he's a uh he knows this is going to a financier um he knows when when the financer hears that he wants to do a five minute take uh uh you know on a scene where he's like snaking through a a, a party that they're gonna be like no you gotta break it up you gotta do this you gotta do that and he wanted to make sure that like that that they knew from moment one that like you know this this camera move is starting here it's gonna snake through this whole scene we're gonna go through this entire party and if you do not like this then do not uh um you know then then do not finance this thing um but I mean, obviously that, that movie is, is, you know, that movie's brilliant. It's amazing. Uh, um, and, uh, and, and there is like a, I don't know, there was like an artistic bar that was raised, uh, 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 you know, with that movie and there are other, you know, other examples of this, but I think that, um, I think too often, I mean, when I write my movie, I feel like, um, so much is kind of stripped away. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, uh, all of these things that are in my head, the way I see it, like I, I cannot put on the page because like, you know, uh, 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 I'd get fired after the first draft. <laughs> They'd be like, what the fuck is this? This, this doesn't look like the pared down fit of nonsense we're used to, to, to reading, you know? Um, uh, they want a Christmas tree. Um, I want to give them a Christmas tree with ornaments and bows and a star on top. Um, and, and, you know, and I think that, um, I don't know if movies are suffering uh, uh, right now, and I, I, I think they are. I think it's because of that. Because you know, I mean, I think the the more you can add, when we do this, you're adding nuance. You're you're adding, you know, in a good way. You're adding bells and whistles. You're adding ornaments to that tree. Um, and I think that if we were, you know, I, I mean, I, I just think of, I mean, when I was at AFI, I could write whatever the hell I wanted to in a script for the most part, um, uh, and there were no consequences. I didn't have to worry about it going to, to studios and, and, and a reader being like, I don't know how to fucking sort through this. Um, you know, 
the, uh, those scripts were more of a conversation with my cinematographer, with my editor, with my production designer. Um, yes. And, and uh, you know, there was a lot that kind of came with that. And so, I don't know. I, 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 think, uh, I think Hollywood could learn a lot from the comic business in terms of scripting. I was going to ask Leisha, like, especially with having done comics and switching to video games, how does that, like, because I hear that video game scripts are, like, very engineered um, and very uh, mathematical. I don't know what term that I could use to, really, like, accurately describe spreadsheets and spreadsheets of dialogue, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, I haven't worked on a narrative video game, so I can't really speak to that, but um, my video games are all about, like, short, like, casino style games, but um, uh, speaking from uh, my perspective as someone who was also a writer, like I try and write uh, my own thing. Um, I'm sorry, I've lost track of what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about the difference between writing comics and writing uh, video games and working in yeah, the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're back. Um, <laughs> Well, I think like writing video games is a lot less freeform and a lot more collaborative um, because it has to make sense within the context of the player, right? Because it is inter an interactive medium. Um, you have to take into account like the player, what the player does, which is why user experience is such a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, you know, it's funny, you always hear people talk about how great the scripts are for Pixar movies uh, compared to other movies. And I'm like, yeah, that's because it's 20 people in a room working nonstop for four years yeah. before they, and then they, and then they'll throw, you know, uh, there's a first 10 minutes of the Incredibles gets thrown out by Brad Bird before, you know, and they completely rewrite it. And it's like, it's what I was saying about me and Dave working on the Omega Man. You can only do that in an animated film where your actors aren't literally going to age five years while you, mm -hmm. you know, while you shoot a scene and then you talk about it for a year and then you shoot another scene and then you talk about that for like you can't actually make uh, feature films with human beings with locations that you're paying to to access, you know, with expensive shit like that. So much of the dumb stuff in films is based on, well, we can only rent that for a week. So Yeah, exactly. This is, this is when, and you know, when you work on low budget movies, I remember sitting and seeing a, a pretty good low budget World War II movie called A Midnight Clear. And in the first five minutes, there's a German tank. And in the last five minutes, there's a German tank. And literally watching it, I was in the middle of producing a bunch of you know low budget stuff. I was like, they had the tank for a day. Like I couldn't help my life. I was like, yeah, they got they got those three shots in the opening five minutes in this whole sequence. They, you could get all that in a day. And I'm like, why I are think, you, why are you thinking how about how much you media. can shoot in a day? Like <laughs> you know, like that's that's not what you should. This is a good emotional movie. You should not be thinking about yeah, tank rental but as creators, in northern you Europe. Are analyzing the entire experience all the time, whether it be you know film for you guys and like comics. That's half of my reading in comics, I used to be a comics reader solely, like cut in half easily, just because I'm spending time not only like ingesting the media and enjoying it, but also being like, how does, how did they do that? How did they like, you know, just learning, which is yeah. great. But also at the same time, you're like, I don't need to be spending time working while I'm trying to enjoy something as well. Right. So I just think that's funny that you brought that up because I think about that all the time. Oh yeah. All the time. 
No, and I've I've said this before. I you know I started in 2014, and I I I have looked at movies critically since I was five about how they mm -hmm. fit together and how they make sense. And, I, and literally, when I got my first assignment from Dynamite, I walked over to my bookshelf and went, "Let's look at some comic books and see how they are put together and how they make sense." And I was like, "Watchmen is all nine panel grid. Who knew?" I didn't know. Like I had read it 300 times, but I hadn't read it. I looked at comic it, books yeah. in a completely non-analytical, let art wash over you kind of way and going back and going, no, that's how this works. That's how this works. And I think far too many people come into the comics industry, particularly from film and television, without any interest in learning the language of it. And they're just like, how can I break my five page scene into 10 yeah. pages of panels? And it's like, it's it's way more complicated than that. Part <laughs> you know? of me is so relieved that I haven't tried to get into TV or film television yet because when I do watch cinema, I mean, it is like a analyzing experience as it is as an artist and visual artist and like somebody who likes creating. But also like I'll know when something's cut and the blood on her shirt doesn't match that two seconds she's yeah. walking over. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, you could have CGI'd just a little bit, like, on top. I know that costs money. Don't don't get me wrong. But oh, I know. to be like, I noticed that. You know what I mean? If I noticed that, and I know you're spending tons of, millions of hours editing this, right? To be like, all right, that's the one, kind of like comics, where that's the one thing that you're like, I'm just going to have to do it and let it go. I'm just like, it's gonna right, let nobody it sees it, right? Because, or well, like yeah. that panel that you're drawing where you're like, just need to finish this. It's one also and turn fascinating, it you know, the basic rule of, you know, any, any spectator art, any, any art with an audience is if you love it, you forgive everything. If you hate it, you forgive nothing. Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark has more continuity errors in it than almost any movie I've ever seen. But who cares? <laughs> yeah. know, like, but you, nobody that watches it goes, oh, that German was standing over there in the last show. Okay, that's weird. Um, because you're swept up in it and you don't, you know. But when a movie is bad, five minutes in, you're like, none of this makes any sense. <laughs> none of this works. None of this, you know. And the number of times you see something where you go, wow, a five-minute conversation could have fixed all of this. But no one was willing to tell the director he was wrong and this thing didn't, didn't make any sense, you know? And I always, you know, you never, there, there's, I don't know how you protect yourself against that. I mean, in the comics industry, I don't think there's any danger of me becoming, you know, a genius. So uh, I will continue listening to uh, what artists and, you know, we're talking about the time of day thing. I did a, I did a comic with what comic series with one of those pretty long days and the colorist got to me before I submitted the script for three, but while number two was being drawn and went, you think maybe the sun's going down at the end of issue two and then issue three is night? And I went, oh yeah, yeah, that would actually be good. Let's do that. Before he starts drawing issue three, let's make issue three night. And literally it didn't affect two that much as like, you know, put a sun on the horizon on panel 18 and we're there. Um, but yeah, it's like, I hadn't thought of that. The artist hadn't thought of that. But the colorist was like, at some point, the sun must go down on these people. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. they've had a very long day, you know, but uh, That's hilarious. Anyway, any final thoughts on this subject? And then we will wrap up our show. Um, all I want to say is uh, writers just treat your artists how you want to be treated. Yeah. I will say never 
ever, ever write horses. <laughs> Thank you. Hit that on the head again. I did you just draw horses this week, so it's funny that I'm now saying this, you know, in regret. Horses are off limits. Yeah. That's what I'm taking <laughs> with me. No horses, no tanks. Yeah, no horses, no uh, tanks. I wouldn't uh, no mind crowds. buying a tank, but I get it. Yeah, no crowds. Can we just ban, really ban like all crowd scenes 2020? It's so, like I said, I've had to write a couple of things with crowd scenes. There were once three artists on Twitter all complaining about me writing traffic jams, and I realized I had written traffic, <laughs> I had written traffic jams in three separate scripts. Unless one of you're them, taking the photos of them, and then that's fine. Yeah, but no, one of them required no... I was like, honestly, this can be a close-up of the car, and we can just see sides of cars on either side. But the other thing is, yeah. artists have ambitions. So Ben Bishop reading me say, no, man, you just... They're talking about the traffic jam. You can just show like the edges of a couple of cars. Ben was like, but no, I'm gonna do an aerial shot of the 405 freeway at sunset. That sounds like Ben, absolutely. I wanna do, I wanna do that. I was like, well, then you can't complain about you, me making you do that. <laughs> like, that's not, yeah. you know. And the other one was a two page spread in hell and it's fantastic. And on top of the artist having to draw it, the Taylor Esposito had to draw a honk over every car. <laughs> Because they're all, because it's hell. So not only is it a traffic jam, literally everyone is standing on their horn. Um, of course. But anyway. Mm -hmm. Lisa, any final thoughts on the subject? I just want to reiterate that please draw a crappy thumbnail. Yeah. <laughs> of that's, what you're thinking. I think that's great. You know, and I've, yeah, and I've heard DPs do that to directors on the set too. Because I've had DPs say to me, the director wants to see both sides of the room in the same static shot. Can you explain to him how that's not literally possible and possible in the phenomenological universe? And I say, just sketch a storyboard on it. Show us what you what you mean. And they would go, Oh yeah, that's three shots. It's <laughs> like, yes, it's three shots. That's where we were all hoping you would get to by yourself. Is that it's three shots. Uh, we always like to wrap up the show with what are you up to lately and where can people find you on the interwebs? Liana, let's start with you. Uh, I am up to lately finalizing Joan Jett. Z2 Comics is putting out a really cool anthology with a um, double-sided record of hers uh, that Jocelyn Stone is writing. And obviously Star awesome. Wars. Yeah, really excited. Uh, she's one of my favorite musicians in general. And um Star Wars 7 comes out this week. I don't know when this is this premieres, but uh, go grab it from your local comic shop, written by Sam Maggs. There's a really cool other story in it as well. Um, and issue 8 comes out next month. So final quarter nice. cutoff is today. But, you know, if you can <laughs> grab it, that'd be awesome. Um, and the finale of True Cult is coming out soon. So Nice. Who's the publisher on True Cult? Uh, it's self-published right now. Oh, okay. Great. So we've been doing it on Gumroad, which is really cool. And everyone's been oh, fun. killer supportive and Kickstarter backers, obviously. Bless. Thank you. Very nice. And Alicia, where can people find you and what are you up to these days? Well, I'm on uh, almost every social media platform as Alicia Riddell, uh, L-E-I-S-H-A-R-I-D-D-E-L. And um, what am I working on right now? I'm working on my own creator own thing. I'm working on Project Solace and I'm hoping to eventually get through chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> and you're um, writing it and drawing it? I'm writing and drawing it, yeah. Great. So, um, I'm just slogging away at that. 
to pay. Is the plan for that to be a Kickstarter thing or to take it to publishers or is it going to be floppies? Is it going to be an OGN? What's your, what are your, what are your thoughts? It's going to be an OGN. Um, I'm hoping I would like to take it to publishers maybe, but um, I, I really haven't decided it ever since I got my new full-time job. I've kind of just been on my full-time job. Uh, But um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get back to it and see where it goes. Nice. Nice. And Ryland, where can the kids find you? I am at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. That's R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. And so now I have to spell it for you. Uh, so there's that. Um, my uh, my uh, Ringo award-winning book, Aberrant, and uh, the four-time Ringo-nominated Banjacks are available in fine comic shops everywhere. Uh, and via Amazon and Comixology. So check those out if you will. And uh, my astral projection thriller, The Jump, and my Fargo-esque crime drama, The Peacekeepers, are available right now via backer kit. So if you go to uh, The Jump 2, The Jump 1 word, and the number 2, thejump2.backerkit.com, uh, you can find those and uh, you know all sorts of signed copies of Aberrant and Banjax and Rare Con variants and all that stuff. It's kind of a one-stop uh, Ryland Grant shop. And uh, Suicide Jockey starts dropping uh, in comic shops in August via SourcePoint Press. So uh, get down to your LCS and pre-order that shit. You're muted, dude. I know. I've been doing that more and more these days. I could be a national newscaster for that. Uh, my, uh, I can be found easily at davidavalonefreelance.com, which branches off to all of the various social medias. Uh Today, the day this drops should be August 4th, and that should actually be the day that uh, Elvira meets Vincent Price. Numero uno is at your LCS, so go down, slam a counter, demand. Nah, politely ask uh, your LCS for a copy of that. I promise it's good, clean, wholesome. uh, Well, it's not that wholesome. It's good, clean, fun. And uh, currently still going would be the Elvira, the Wrath of Khan kickstarter and uh i've got some creator own stuff coming up but it's nothing i can actually talk about just yet thank you so much Leisha and liana for joining us and thanks everybody for listening we will see you on the next exciting episode thanks so much for having us Thanks for oh, if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on the Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.